pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Notebook is a pen today. I'm, I might be able to show you a couple of things you haven't seen before. I learned a couple of things this week that I didn't know before. Isn't that strange? Something I didn't know. Hallelujah. I've been called to know it all before, but I was proven wrong this week. I didn't know it all. But we're going to Start teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm calling this the Mighty Holy Ghost and His Gifts, Part 7, Brother Joe. And the following spiritual gifts that we're about to read about are often referred to as the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And these are supernatural gifts. And according to Scripture, they're avail available to every believer who desires them, and they will be with us until Christ returns. So, you know, the, we can see the gifts of the Spirit, with the exception of tongues and interpretation, all throughout the Old Testament. Jesus operated in the gifts of the Spirit, except tongues and interpretation. And so we're going to learn a few things today. We're going to start with 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Verse 1, I'm going to read in the New King James, and you can follow along whatever pass, with whatever translation you have. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And I want you to notice a few things about this one passage of Scripture here. I want you to notice the phrase, now concerning. I mean, that's a funny way to start off an epistle. That's a funny way to start off a sentence. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So uh, that phrase, now, now concerning, Paul actually said it in six times in this uh, first epistle to the Corinthian church. And uh, the reason he says now concerning is because 1 Corinthians is actually 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians is actually 3 Corinthians. Come on now, I don't, all of you didn't know that. Might be a couple of you know that, but not all of you. 2 Corinthians is actually the third letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And uh, that's the reason he started out now concerning uh, there was definitely a letter he wrote to them before this one, and apparently they wrote him back with a bunch of questions. And so he starts by saying, now concerning spiritual gifts. So obviously the first letter wasn't included in the Bible because we don't have it in there. We got 1 Corinthians, which is actually 2 Corinthians, and 3 Corinthians, which is actually 2 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians was actually 3 Corinthians. And for some reason, the author left it out of our Bible. And when I say author, I don't mean Paul. He penned it, but the Holy Ghost left it out of the Bible for some reason. And we'll find out when we get to heaven. 
but uh, and we always have to remember this about Scripture. There's many writers, but only one author. Because all of them that wrote in the Bible or wrote parts of the Bible were all inspired by the Holy Ghost as he gave them utterance. So the, the word is inspired, and it's inspired by God. And he just chose the, the people that he did to pen the words that the Holy Ghost spoke. But he also alludes to the first letter directly earlier in chapter 5. Uh, turn there with me. Go to chapter 5 and verse 9. First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. He says plainly, I wrote unto you an epistle not to, uh, not to company with fornicators. So apparently he wrote them an epistle before the first Corinthian epistle, and he told them not to be messing with fornicators. He gave them a stern warning about that. But here's the part I want you to get. He says that I wrote unto you in an epistle. Well, if this is first Corinthians, there had to be an epistle that came before first Corinthians. And he says here, now concerning spiritual gifts. So you just don't start out a sentence by saying, now concerning spiritual gifts or whatever, unless you have knowledge of something the person you're writing to has expressed a concern about. So obviously they expressed concerns about the gifts of the Spirit. So Paul must have wrote something in that first epistle about the gifts of the Spirit. And so he says, now concerning the thing you were concerned with, spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant about them. And the second thing I want you to notice is the word gifts. It, and I didn't know this before this week, and I looked it up. It comes from a Greek word, charismaka. And guess what we get from charismaka? Charismatic. Uh, we're charismatics. So this word charisma actually means grace gifts or gifts of grace. So we can say the nine grace gifts or the nine gifts of grace. Because that's what they are. He didn't have to give us any gifts. Anytime you receive a gift, it's by grace. Somebody graced you with a gift. They, didn't, they weren't obligated to get you a gift. They didn't have to get you a gift. They just graced you with a gift. And so these are gifts of grace. And the third thing I want to take notice of it in this first passage that we read is the word ignorant. That word turns a lot of people off because in our culture, we use it as a bad word. And I know everybody in this room at one time or another got called eager. Right? You're just eager. And they didn't mean it as a compliment, right? So the word ignorant actually means unlearned, unaware, or unknowledgeable about something. So Paul's saying, uh, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be unlearned, unknowledgeable uh, about this subject. I'm going to teach you something about it. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be unaware of the spiritual gifts and how they operate. And then in verse 2, he says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. So there was a lot of idol worshiping going on. And Corinth was not a Jewish city. 
Corinth was a very rich, affluent Gentile city, or we could even say heathen city. A city full of heathens or non-believers in Jesus Christ. They believed in a lot of things, but Jesus wasn't one of them. And uh, their entire culture was about power, sex, and money. Power, sex, and money. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like a culture we're familiar with? And there was a lot of idol worship going on in Corinth. And one of their false, I like to say, make-believe gods was a goddess by the name of Aphrodite. And that's where we get our word uh, aphrodisiac, which is a sexual stimulant because she was a sex goddess. And they even built a temple for her. And they filled that temple with resident prostitutes. And a matter of fact, they were called temple prostitutes. Or another phrase that was used was girls of Corinth. And whenever somebody heard that word girls of Corinth or that phrase, they knew it was a temple prostitute. And so in this temple, they could go there and give offerings and then have an orgy. All in the name of religion. So this is how... Uh, how far off this city was but they did establish a church in Corinth and that's who Paul's writing to and it was a powerful church that operated in the gifts of the spirit and we'll see some of that here in a little bit in verse 3 he says therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God calls Jesus accursed and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've read that passage of Scripture for years, and it's always puzzled me. And I would look at some of the commentators and some of the other Bible scholars at, at their uh, interpretation of it, and I would get even more confused. But I come across an interpretation this past week that really makes sense, and it was uh, uh, about a, hist- a historical preference that talked about the church at Corinth. And it said that it was a practice among the heathen to call Jesus anathema or anathema, which means accursed. It means that someone so abominable as not to be fit to even live on earth. This is what the heathens called Jesus. And it was an early practice among heathen persecutors to force Uh, believers to denounce Jesus and call him accursed. Just like in the book of Revelation, they're going to try to get you, get people to denounce Jesus, you know, and take the mark of the beast. And so the apostle Paul was saying that no man speaking by the Holy Spirit will ever call Jesus accursed, and no man can call Jesus Lord but by the Spirit. In other words, if you're a true believer filled with the Holy Ghost, there is no way even under the penalty of death, that you would call Jesus anathema or accursed. And neither will you denounce him. You'll die before you do that. And so that's what that passage of Scripture, I believe, really means. I just thought I'd throw that out there to you. But uh, you might be wondering, what's this got to do with the gifts of the Spirit or the grace gifts? Probably more than we know. Uh, But the reason I'm talking about these things is because we read through them to get to the nine gifts of the Spirit. So we're setting something up here 
uh, we're setting the stage for the nine gifts of the Spirit. But I know we're on a journey to the top of the mountain, which is the nine gifts of the Spirit. And I said before, we just take different routes. So I figure as long as we're on a, on a journey, we might as well enjoy some of the scenery along the way. Amen? So that's some of the scenery. Here's another thing that's interesting. In the next three verses, Paul makes reference to the Trinity that so many people have denied and say don't exist. There's just one God, one Spirit, one faith, one belief. No, there's three gods in one. We know there's a Trinity. We studied on it. But here's further proof of it. He says in verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, different kind of gifts, but the same Spirit. That's the Holy Ghost. God the Holy Ghost. Verse 5 says there are differences of ministries, and that word is, comes from a Greek word, diakonia, diakonia uh, which means service. It's where we get our word deacon from, and it means service. So you don't have to be a deacon to serve. The very word diakonis or diakonia, however it's pronounced, means service, and it means that we all have a place to serve. You don't have to be an elected official. You don't have to be a deacon or a deaconess. You can serve right where you're at. And he says there's differences, differences of ministries, but the same Lord, that's Jesus, God the Son. And there are diversities of activities. And that word activity comes from the Greek word energa, which means energy. In other words, God will energize us for the service that he has called us to. If you're called to a service, you will be energized to perform that service. Amen? And he says here, but it is the same God, that's God the Father, who works all in all. So we have God the, God the Holy Spirit, God the Lord Jesus, or God the Son, and God the Father. All right there in those three passages of Scripture. Isn't that good? And then he says in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. In other words, each one uh, can receive the manifestation, but it's for the profit of all. It's to enhance everybody, to edify everybody. And the word manifestation simply means he will make himself known. Now, we know the Holy Spirit is present here because he said he'd be. But we don't have a tangible proof of it unless he manifests himself. And I know years ago, I think it was at Praise Fellowship, Joni taught us when we were praying, we used to pray for the gifts of the Spirit. And she says, no, 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 no. We already have the gifts of the Spirit in the church. Pray for the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit, which is a difference. You know, in other words, we have the Spirit here. But we want a manifestation of him. We want to see somebody get healed. We want to see somebody have a miracle. We want to see somebody get an answer to a problem that they have that they haven't been able to figure out. We want to see somebody get delivered. That's a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. That's what we want. Amen? How many want a manifestation? I know I do. Hallelujah. So we want him to make himself known by doing something in our midst, and he does that through the gifts of the Spirit. And again in verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So look at your neighbor and say, For to one is given the word of wisdom. To one. Uh, look at your other neighbor and say, I'm a one. 
Amen. And, uh, through the Spirit, and to another, the word of knowledge. Now, we have to be careful with our words here because we can change the meaning of this passage of Scripture. It's, it doesn't say knowledge. It says the word of knowledge. So the Holy, Holy Ghost doesn't give you knowledge. He gives you a word of knowledge. If you want more knowledge, read the Bible. Read a book. Amen? Get some experience. But he, he also said, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. And you are an each and you are a one. Amen? Don't have to be a, a five-fold minister. Don't have to be a deacon. You just be a pew sitter and the Holy Spirit will use you in the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts, plural, of healings, plural, by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So you see why you have to be a each and a one? Because he distributes these gifts to each one individually, in other words, personally, to each one of you as he wills. That's important, too, as he wills. Uh, this is very important because the gifts are ministered by the Holy Ghost through you and I, the believer, uh, as the Holy Ghost wills. A person does not possess any of the gifts of the Spirit. And the reason I'm emphasizing that is because I've heard people say, for years as a matter of fact, and I know if you've been in Pentecost any time, you have heard somebody say, I have the gift of healing, I have the gift of uh, the word of knowledge, I have the gift of the, the word of wisdom, I have the gift. Uh, but that's not true. They may be used in them gifts, and I know like Brother Hagin was used tremendously with the gifts of healing. But it wasn't his gift. He couldn't operate it as he wills. It, was the, it belonged to the Holy Spirit, and it operated as he will. Otherwise, Brother Hagin would have healed everybody that he came in contact with. And you and I would do the same thing. But it's not as we will. It's as he wills, and there's a very important reason for that, too. You can't just turn the gifts on and off as you will. Uh, but here's the thing. The Holy Ghost possesses these gifts, and he can distribute them to each one of us as he wills. But here's, here's the catch. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's important. He's got the nine gifts, but we have him, and he's living inside of us. And, and there's a reason for that, because uh, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, for the profit of all. And so, in other words, if you need a word of knowledge or you need healing or a miracle or a word of wisdom or any one of these gifts to manifest in your life, you don't have to run around looking for somebody that operates in that gift. You can ask the Holy Ghost to manifest for yourself. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? We've got, the, you know, Einstein said, I don't need to know everything. All I need to know is where to find the book. Right. 
And so if there's something you don't know, you find the book and you learn. And so we don't need to, to have all these gifts or we don't need to know everything. All we need to do is know the Holy Spirit and he'll tell us what we need to know at the time that we need to know it. Hallelujah. So each one of us can have all of these gifts manifesting in our life. He said each one. He distributes to each one. And so we can have them manifesting in our life as the Holy Ghost wills, distributing them as they're needed. And so the Holy Ghost possesses the gifts, but again, we have the Holy Ghost, and he's inside of us. You need one of the gifts to manifest, ask him to manifest it. It's not just for inside the church or for the ministry. These gifts operate in your life. They'll operate in school. They'll operate on the job. They'll operate at Walmart and Kroger. They operate in your life, period. Amen? So let me show you a reason that it would not be good if the gifts operated as we will. Let's say you, you possessed, as they say, the gifts of healings. And someone comes to you to be healed, but you don't like them. Can you see the problem we'd have if the gifts operated as we will? I don't like that person. They ain't getting no healing from me. And we would do that. Don't think we wouldn't. I could give you some more examples, but it might hurt somebody's feelings. <laughs> but that's why God doesn't give them to us as we will. Y'all still out there or you going home? All right. There are examples in the Bible where Jesus operated in all the gifts with the exception of tongues and interpretation uh, because tongues and interpretation are just for this dispensation, the dispensation of the church. Because when that which is perfect comes, we'll no longer have a need for these things. Amen? We won't have to get a tongue from heaven and an interpretation. We can just ask Jesus directly because he'll be amongst us. Amen? So, uh, and I know people say that, well, Jesus operated in gifts because he was God. And he was God. There's no doubt about that. But he operated here on earth as a man anointed of the Holy Ghost. In Philippians 2, 7, it tells us he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant slave in that he became like men and was born a human being. Yes, he's still God, but he operated as a man anointed of the Holy Ghost. One translation says he laid aside his eternal weight and glory and came to earth in the likeness of men. I like that. And then Luke declares in Acts 10.38, he's the author of Acts, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So Jesus operated as a man anointed of the Holy Ghost who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And so... He said that the works he did, we shall do also and even greater works than these. So tell me, if he operated as God, how he can make a statement like that, because we're not gods. And there's no way we could even do the works that he did if, we operate, if he operated as God. So he gave us the same opportunity that he had he, to be anointed of the Holy Ghost and power and go about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. 
And so we just need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And we can do the same works Jesus did, but on a, la a larger scale because there's more of us than there was of him when he was on the earth. But let me ask you this. If Jesus operated as a man and he had to rely on the Holy Ghost in his life and ministry, then what makes us think that we don't have to rely on the Holy Ghost in our life and ministry? We need the Holy Ghost as much as he did. Amen? He was probably just a lot more obedient than we were. And, and people think, well, he was way more anointed. He had, the, he had the spirit without measure. Yeah, that's because he was perfect. Amen? And we have the spirit by measure. But there's no limit to what the Holy Spirit can do through us. Amen? And so uh, we need the anointing if we're going to go about doing good and healing the oppressed, right? And that's why we've been learning about the mighty Holy Ghost for the past two months. And that's why we're learning about the gifts of the Spirit this morning. Because we will never operate in the gifts of the Spirit if we don't know them and we don't understand them. I mean, I'm not going to trust uh, my grandson with my car until I'm sure that he knows enough about that car to drive it safely. And God ain't going to trust us with the gifts of the Spirit until we know them well enough to use them properly. And understand the limitations uh, that we have in using the spirits, like refusing to heal somebody or something. Hallelujah. So it's like anything else. If you don't know it, you won't use it. So to simplify things a little, and as we start the study of the gifts of the spirit, and we won't get through all nine of them today, I can promise you that. But to help us understand better, and, and most Bible teachers do this. They'll uh, separate the gifts of the Spirit into three categories, if you will. So uh, that's what we're going to do, too. We're going to separate them in the gifts of revelation, which means these gifts tell us something or reveal something. Uh, the gifts of inspiration and the gifts of power. There's power gifts. And uh, so we're going to look at the gifts of revelation this morning which is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And if we have the time, we can go further, but I don't think we're going to have the time. But number one, the word of wisdom. Uh, and notice what it says. It says, the word of wisdom. It is not the gift of wisdom. It is a use of a word of wisdom at the time we need it. But it's a supernatural revelation or divine answer or solution for a particular event or set of circumstances. The Holy Ghost will give you the word of wisdom to solve perplexing problems and situations in your life. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals a blind man, and this blind man was blind from birth, so he was blind all his life. And he gets in all kinds of hot water, not just Jesus, but the blind man. The poor blind man got in hot water because he got healed. That's what religion will do. The religious leaders are questioning the blind man and trying to convince him that Jesus is not the Son of God and he is not the Messiah. And so they berated him and insulted him, and all he did was get healed. He was minding his own business, and Jesus heals him. But apparently it upset the religious people, and they said, You are this 
fellow's disciple. That's how disrespectful religion can be. They wouldn't even address Jesus by his name. They said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, Moses, <laughs> but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Now listen to what the blind man says. The blind man answered them and said, now isn't that amazing? He says, you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my blind eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He only listens to the godly person who does his will. He only listens to the doers of the word. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. So if this man were not from God, how could he do that? In other words, he's saying you never healed anyone through your stinking religion. And so you refuse to recognize the truth when someone who, who was really sent from God comes on the scene. And I, I don't know if you realize it, but can you see the wisdom in what he said? That was a word of wisdom from the Holy Ghost. Think about it. There's no way he was smart enough to come up with that by himself. He was born blind, which means he was never able to read any book of any kind, including the Old Testament, which they had at that time. And uh, there was no public school system for him to go to. So where did he get that type of wisdom? How did he know that? Yeah, he could have been going to the synagogue. He could have had his parents teaching him religion at home. But if you look at it closely, that is a word of wisdom that you just don't come up with on your own. Some things you just can't get on your own. And this is one of them. And, and so uh, the reason I know it was a word of wisdom from God because the religious leaders couldn't answer him. And God will do that to a religious leader. And a matter of fact, in verse 34, they said, How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. That's, I mean, that's what you do. If you don't have the answer, you just call them racist and throw them out. And that's what people who are steeped in religion and have no relationship with God does. When God confronts them, they throw him out. And there are churches and religions all over the world this morning that haven't heard from God or had a visitation from God in years because of religion. They have their religion and they're not going to veer from it. They know all the answers. You know nothing. And if you object to anything they have to say, they will cancel culture your butt or throw you out. Amen. And there were so many times in my life when I was perplexed about different situations and I didn't know what to do. And this happened at work. This happened in my garage working on something. This happened in all kinds of different scenarios where there was, and I know it's hard to believe, but there were times when I didn't know what to do. And, I, and there was times when I didn't even pray. But all of a sudden, a thought comes to me. I could be in a, in a room full of UPS managers in a meeting and everybody is tapping their pencils and trying to figure out what's going on and the Holy Ghost would give me a thought, just a thought. And I would voice that thought and the next thing you know, we had a solution. Sometimes I got the whole solution myself, but sometimes I was just the thought starter or the Holy Ghost was, but I spoke it out 
and uh, collectively we'd come up with the solution. That didn't come from me. I didn't, I didn't know anything about that particular subject at the time. It had to come from God. I was too dumb to have the answer for myself. And, and that's happened to me many times. Working on an engine, working on a lawnmower, a car, or working on something. I come across something, what is that? And then all of a sudden I'd get a thought on what it was and how to fix it. And you know, it's one thing to have knowledge, but wisdom will tell you what to do with that knowledge. You could have the knowledge that something's wrong here and not know what it is, but the, uh, the word of wisdom will tell you how to fix that thing. Amen? And that operates in my life all the time. And it probably operates in your life uh, quite a bit, too, if you stop and think about it a minute. Quit trying to pat yourself on the back and take credit for a thought that the Holy Ghost gave you. All right, that's the word of wisdom. Now let's look at the word of knowledge. The word knowledge, the word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of knowledge or insight into something that you had no way of knowing by natural means. You didn't learn this anywhere. You didn't read about it. Nobody told you about it. You didn't see it on the fake news. It just came to you. That's the word of knowledge. And again, it's not knowledge. It's the word of knowledge. Uh, In John chapter 4, verses 16 through 19, there's a familiar story. Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman at a well. And he said to her, go call your cousin, your husband, or your cousin, it don't make, bring him to. Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. And so Jesus had no way of knowing that. Again, he's, he wasn't operating as God. He's operating as a man, anointed of the Holy Ghost. But he had no way of knowing that through natural means. He had just met that woman for the first time. He didn't know anything about her. And God revealed to him through the word of knowledge all that he said to her about her husbands and stuff. And anytime you get a word of wisdom or you get the word of knowledge, it's always because it, God wants you to use it to minister to somebody. And he wants something good to come out of it. Amen. He don't just tell you that so you can condemn somebody or say, I heard about your marriages and your divorces and the one you're living with. That is not the purpose of the word of knowledge. It was for the purpose to minister to that woman. (coughs) Now, here's what's so amazing. That word changed her life forever. Uh, That one word of knowledge turned her into an evangelist. And I know some people say, where do you get evangelists out of that? Well, the Bible says she left her water pot right there at the well and went into the city and told everybody about Jesus. Isn't that what an evangelist does? He just goes to every city and tells everybody about Jesus. She was an evangelist. And like I said, anytime you're given a word of knowledge, it will be for an opportunity for you to minister to somebody and cause a favorable outcome in their life. And you will never get a word of knowledge just so you have one leg up on somebody. If God gives you a word of knowledge about somebody, you better start asking him, what do you want me to do with this word you just give me? How do you want me to minister to this person? Because I'm going to tell you, when you tell somebody something that they had no way of knowing, it will get get their attention. 
That's one of the things that got, got me hooked in the Pentecostal movement when I went to that little church. That pastor called me up there and he whispered things in my ear that I didn't even tell my wife that nobody could have known except him. And I'm telling you, that got my attention. And uh, uh, my mother had AIDS and she got it through a blood transfusion. Uh, she had surgery and got it through a blood transfusion. Back then in the early 80s, they weren't screening for uh, uh, AIDS or HIV. And so she had AIDS and Back then, it was pretty much a death sentence. And uh, he whispered in my ear, your mother is not going to die of AIDS. And I knew. I, we didn't tell anybody about it. That was a family secret. And I knew there was no other way he could have known about that. Nobody could have told him that except God. And that got my attention. And I'm here today because of that. Not that in particular by itself, but because of the way God touched me at that meeting. I'm here today because of that. Amen. So it will change your life. Uh, so anytime you're given a word of knowledge, like I said, it will be for an opportunity for you to minister to somebody and expect something good to come out of that. Because when you reveal that to them and they know that you couldn't have known it by natural means, they're going to know that you heard from God and God spoke to them. And that's going to be real big to them because it was real big to me that God... The, he's running an entire universe and beyond, took time out of his busy schedule to talk to me on a personal level and a personal basis. That's how I felt about it. That big God stopped what he was doing to talk to me. He won me for life. Amen. So anyway, uh, number three, discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. It's not the spirit of discernment. There's a big difference. This is a supernatural revelation or insight into the realm of spirits to detect their presence and plans. It's simply a gift that will make you aware of the presence of demonic spirits or activity. And I've told this story before. My wife and I went to visit my sister and we spent a, a week there with her and the kids and she was being harassed by a spirit. And so uh, through the spirit of discernment or through the discerning of spirits, God showed us what kind of spirit it was. It was a spirit of witchcraft. And he, he showed Pastor Rhett where the point of contact was, was in a closet on a shelf was a Ouija board game. And that's what the point of contact was. And uh, anyway, we, we prayed over the house and we uh, cleansed the house and anointed it and everything and uh, I got out into the yard and I was making a circle around the yard to uh, secure the property spiritually speaking and they had this German Shepherd dog his name was Jedi one of the friendliest dogs you ever want to meet he'd jump on you and love on you and lick you to death and everything else and, and that's how he treated me until I got to that point now you got a picture I'm I'm pushing a spirit uh, a spirit of witchcraft a demon I'm pushing him off the property because as you anoint the house, that demon leaves that room. You go in the next room, and the last thing you anoint is the door to the outside. Well, I took it even further, and I anointed the whole property. I walked around their whole property, and I got to the last point on the property, and that's where Jedi was, and he was chained to his doghouse. 
And that same lovable dog that would jump on you and lick you to death, he started growling at me, showing me all his teeth. His hair stood up on his back. And the reason it did is because he sensed that spirit. And, you know, for lack of better words, I'm, I'm driving that spirit, driving him off the property and out of there, you know. And I, I'd plead the blood behind him and anoint him with oil so that he can't come back. I know this sounds far out there, but that's, that's how it actually works in the spiritual realm. And I thought, well, this is it. I'm going to find out if this really works or not. And I said, peace in the name of Jesus. And I put my hand up like that. And that dog calmed right down, turned back into his old usual self, wanting to jump on me and stuff. But I drove the spirit clean off the property. Hallelujah. But we wouldn't have known what to do except for uh, discerning of spirits. God to give us a peek into the spiritual realm to see what was harassing her. Amen. So it's important that we understand this gift is as it's intended. Discerning comes from a Greek word that means to see through something. Something's going on in your life that's causing havoc or harassing you like it was my sister, and you don't know why it is. So wouldn't it be nice if you could get a peek into the spiritual realm and see through to the spirit that's harassing you? Well, what would I do with it then? Well, the purpose of you seeing it and seeing what type of evil spirit that's operating against you so that you know what to cast out and how to pray. Amen. He, God is revealing to you the enemy and his strategies. And that comes through the gift of discerning of spirits. Hallelujah. So you can take authority over it. Now here's what we have to understand. This is the gift of discerning of spirits. I'm going to spend a minute on this because it's that important. It's not the gift of discernment. See, you can search your Bible from the front cover to the back cover, and you will not find in there anywhere where it says anything about the spirit of discernment. But you will find the discerning of spirits. And there's a difference. And the reason why I say this is because I've heard a lot of people say they have the spirit of discernment. But what I come to find out later is they had a spirit of sus suspicion and a, a spirit of criticism because they wanted to be able to say that I can judge you because I have the spirit of discernment. And I can tell if you're in the wrong spirit or not. And that's not what it's intended for. So God will allow the Holy Ghost to give you the gift of discernment for one reason. I mean, give it to you in the sense for a manifestation, not that you keep it permanently. And he'll give you the spirit of discernment to let you see into the spiritual realm so that you can, number one, see if there is a demonic force behind the, the harassment or the problem you're having. And a lot of times it's not always an uh, evil spirit causing your problems. Sometimes it's you causing your problems. Sometimes it's your flesh, undisciplined flesh, causing your problems. But if he gives you a peek into the spirit realm and you can identify a spirit that's causing your problem, now you can take authority over that spirit and you know how to pray. That's an that's a outstanding advantage that the enemy doesn't have. Amen? See, God don't allow the enemy to read your mind, but he can sure read your lips. <laughs> he can sure read your actions. He knows what you like and what you don't like. So don't, don't, get, don't show your hand to the enemy is what I'm saying. Amen? 
And God will show you his hand every time. Hallelujah. In the Acts of the Apostle, or the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 16 through 18, this is in the New Living Translation. It says, One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination, a fortune-telling spirit, that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. And this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it instantly left her. Now that was the gift of discernment operating through Paul, because on the surface there was nothing wrong with what this woman was saying. She was telling the truth. She was saying these men are from God, and they come to tell you how to be saved. That was the truth. They were actually helping him preach. And so it was hard for Paul to detect that at first because uh, it says that she was following them for many days until he finally got exasperated. And actually, until he finally got uh, the gift of discernment operating and seen into the spiritual realm and seen it was a spirit of divination. So then as soon as he knew what it was, he cast it out and it had to leave. And uh, trust me, he didn't want to do that at the time because he knew it was going to be big trouble for him because that little slave girl was making a lot of money for her masters. And now they're going to have to get a real job or something because she ain't telling no more fortunes. Amen? So uh, Paul realized it was an evil spirit and what kind it was because of the spirit of discern, uh, d- discerning of spirits. And uh, so he cast it out, number one, because he wanted to set that little slave girl free. And that was worth the price of whatever he was going to have to pay after that. And number two, she's a well-known fortune teller. And Paul didn't want to have a fortune teller validating the word that he was preaching. That's the Holy Ghost job. Paul preaches the word. The Holy Ghost validates it and confirms it as truth. And brings conviction to the ones that hear it. He didn't want that conviction coming from a demon spirit because it would turn out in a bad way somewhere along the line. So he's saying, whoa, we're going to put a stop to this. What you're saying is true, but I don't need you validating it. I want the Holy Ghost to validate it. Because the spirit uh, of divination or that evil spirit was validating it, but it wouldn't bring conviction to the person that was hearing it. So Paul had to put a stop to that at all costs. And, and they got roughed up a little bit over the whole thing. But anyway, the Holy Ghost has given Pastor Ed and I discerning of spirits on many occasions, especially when we're praying for people. I mean, you've had discerning of spirits with your children. If, you're, if you have children, you've had it at one time or not. You might not have recognized it but, uh, or as the discerning of spirits, but you recognize some type of activity that was going on. And... Uh, we would pray for somebody and God would reveal through discerning of spirits a spirit that was harassing that person. Now, I'm not saying they were possessed with it. I'm just saying it was harassing them. And we would take authority over that spirit and we'd uh, rebuke it and bind it and cast it out in Jesus' name. And then all of a sudden that person's life starts getting better. 
Because why? Because, well, they had to change some things too, but also because that spirit wasn't allowed to arrest them anymore. Now, I mean, why would God show us that if he didn't want us to cast it out? That's the whole purpose of discerning of spirits. So you deal with them demon spirits and get them out of the picture. Amen? Hallelujah. And we could pray more accurately after that as well. But wouldn't it be wonderful to go through life with these gifts operating on a regular basis? And they can be. But you won't recognize them. You'll start recognizing them after today, at least the first three. But you haven't been recognizing them in the past because you didn't really understand what was working. You may have even benefited from it without actually knowing what God was doing and what was operating in your life. But when you have a perplexing problem and you don't know what to do, wouldn't it be wonderful if the Holy Ghost gives you a thought that will solve that problem? Or he might even give you the whole formula. He might give you the whole solution to solve that problem. And a lot of times... He just wants to help you through it. He's not going to make it real easy on you. Sometimes you have to be keen enough to recognize, hey, that was a thought. I'm on to something here. And then you figure out the rest of it. But if you can't, he will give you another word of wisdom until you figure out the answer to that problem. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you're trying to minister to a family member or a friend or someone at work, and the Holy Ghost gives you a word of knowledge for that person that could change their life. Right, Miss Shannon? Give you a word of knowledge for that person, and they go, only God could have known that. Now, all of a sudden, they're interested in this God that you serve. Something good, good will come out of it. Amen? Amen? What if you're under attack and going through some things and can't understand why, and God gives you a peek into the spiritual realm and allows you to see the demonic force or the demonic spirit that's behind the thing that you're going through. Wouldn't that be better than you trying to figure out what to do on your own? And God, Because some things are physical, some things are spiritual. Now you can minister to the physical until the cows come home and nothing will happen if it's a spiritual thing. And you can cast out devils and all kinds of things in the spiritual realm and nothing will happen because that person's going through a physical thing. And that's why a lot of times Jesus would determine whether it was physical or spiritual before he ministered to that person. And we have to do the same thing. You know, uh, I keep getting something for you, but I'm not going to say it now. I'll tell you later. But sometimes we just uh, ministering along the wrong lines. You know, it's a spiritual problem. We're ministering to the physical. Uh, sometimes people even go to the doctors and the doctor can't find a cure for what they got. He tries this medicine, it didn't work. He tries another medicine, it doesn't work. Ask God to give you discerning of spirits. Look into the spiritual realm. You might find out it's a, it's a uh, uh, messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet you like it was Paul. And, and sometimes you, you get the insight to cast it out. Other times you have to just hump up and take it. Because God said, my... Grace is sufficient for you. I want you to go through this. I didn't send it, but since you're going through it, you're going to learn something from this. You're going to learn that my strength is made uh, manifest in your weakness. And you're going to learn that I'm stronger than the problem and that Paul, Paul asked God to uh, deal with that thing three times. And all three times, he said, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, you deal with it. You have the authority, you have the power, you deal with it. I'm not doing something that you could do. 
Because what is the Holy Ghost? He's a helper. He's not a do-it-all. He helps you do it. And so sometimes, and, and that's why I say, sometimes we just have to determine the cause of the problem. Did I cause it? Uh, by eating the wrong things that raised my blood pressure? Is it something I could fix? Or I'm eating everything right, I'm exercising, doing what I'm supposed to do, my blood pressure is still high. Is it a spirit causing this? Am I being harassed? And then God will reveal that to you. And you could deal with it. Amen? Or he might let you go to the doctor, have the doctor deal with it, and you wind up on a pill. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, when the Good Samaritan found that guy on the side of the road, he ministered to him with oil and wine, which was the medicine of that day. The wine, obviously, was an antibiotic, and the oil was like a, I don't know what they call that. Uh, yeah, that cream you put on your cuts and stuff like that. WD-40 or something. <laughs> but anyway, there's, you know, there's different causes to problems. And the gifts of the Spirit will determine what that cause is so that you can deal with it in particular. Amen? Well, that's all the time we have today. But should the Lord will, Queenie, we'll pick up here next Sunday and look at the other six gifts of the Spirit. And then... Uh, Maybe we'll start it next Sunday, maybe the Sunday after, but I want to get into an intensive study on the purpose of tongues and why we speak in tongues. But anyway, the next ones we'll look at is the gift of inspiration, which is prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. These three messages, whether it comes from prophecy or Tongues and interpretation will inspire you. That's what they're designed to do. So we call them the gifts of inspiration. And then the power gifts, which is the gift of faith, the gift of healing, and the working of miracles. Those are the power gifts. Those are uh, gifts that have power behind them. Amen? Amen. And, and some, some teachers call them the dynamic gifts. Those three are the dynamic gifts. And it comes from the word... Uh, dunamis comes from the word dunamis where we get our word dynamite so they call them the dynamic gifts the explosive gifts the gifts that have power behind them and and they are some interesting gifts but who are the gifts for each one right individually as who wills he wills he will determine when and where the gifts will manifest themselves you just have to make yourself available you just have to keep your little vessel clean. If you want the Holy Ghost to pour into you and pour out of you, you got to have a clean vessel. If it's contaminated on the inside, it's going to come out contaminated. So it's our job to be prepared. And it's also our job to desire spiritual gifts. Paul said desire spiritual gifts. If you don't desire them, they'll never operate in your life because God don't push anything on us. Amen? So begin to desire spiritual gifts. Begin to mention them in your prayer time and ask God to use you. Tell him, you're, tell him that you're available anytime that he wants to use you for any kind of ministry, not just the gifts of the Spirit, but any kind of ministry. Just let him know that you're ready, willing, and able. And, that, and that's a big deal to God. He wants you to say it. He wants to hear you say, use me. I want to be used by you. 
I desire for spiritual gifts to move through me. And uh, since we started this teaching on the Holy Ghost, that's what I've been praying. I've been asking God to use me. Holy Ghost, use me any way you want to. Use me. And uh, I feel it coming. I'm telling you, I feel it coming. Uh, especially when we get into this revival. I want him to know that he could use me. Amen? And, you know, revival isn't just for a good time in the church. Revival is to go revive the dead, the ones out there. Amen? So you, you'll come in here for a good drink, but you'll go out there and you'll minister to your family, your friends, the workplace, at the grocery store, whatever. Wherever God leads you, that's where you do revival. Amen? It's not just going to be church day and night and dancing around and praising the Lord. That might be part of it, but that's just to get you charged up so you can go back out there and continue to revive. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, we're going to close here. I think I gave you enough for one day. Amen? I try to keep it under an hour when I can, but I'm going to tell you what. I'm not going to feel condemned if I go over because uh, I know how much television and Facebook you look at, so I'm not going to get guilty over going over a little over an hour and teaching you the Word of God, the living Word of God. Amen? And I know you sat still longer than that doing other things, so it ain't going to hurt you to sit still for a little while here. Amen? And I guarantee you, I'm helping you a lot more with the Word of God than you getting in front of the Pastor Rest says, the one-eyed demon staring at you. <laughs> the television. Amen. Amen. Well, I love you and appreciate you. Let's pray before you go. And you got to wait for the kids. I guess Pastor Rez is running over a little bit back there. But. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we're going to declare right now in the face of the devil that we desire the spiritual gifts to operate in and through us. We want to see manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit operating in this church on a regular basis. We don't want it to be some type of miracle or something that only happens once a month or once every six months. We want it to be a common occurrence in our church. We want to see the gifts manifesting themselves on a regular basis. Every time we open them doors and people gather in this building, we want to see the gifts of the Spirit in manifestation. We desire them. We long for them. We are preparing ourselves for them, and we will recognize it when you want to use us or use, go through us with the gift of the manifestation of the Spirit. We thank you for it in advance. We look forward to wonderful things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.